Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages situations. Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Right. Turn the wheel. No, reverse. Left reverse. Slow the out. No, kill it, kill it, kill the owner. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I am your host, Keith Smith. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network. You can find us at almightyballer.com and as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and all the places for your favorite podcast. This is our debut episode. So happy to be joined by Chris Axman. Chris, how are you? I'm fantastic. Ready to get going on the show. Happy to be starting it with you. Absolutely. Really excited. We've been talking about this for a while. We're finally ready to kick the show off and get things going. So what we're going to do is open it up with a little bit about what the show will be. So this show, if you're interested in NBA roster building or transactions or free agency, the NBA draft, any of those things, this is the place for you. I love the NBA and I really love NBA roster building and how teams come together. I'm a salary cap nerd to the fullest extent as Chris can attest to. So if you Again. want detail, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> right? If you want details on transactions and contracts, this is the place for you. As I said, we're going to get deep into those things and we're going to kick it off with a little bit of an off season preview. But Chris, anything to say about the show in general? Yeah, I mean, I, I reached out to you because I felt like there was not really anything like this out on the NBA podcastosphere. Um, it's something that I think people want, you know, to just know about the salary structures, the uh, the CBA, all the different implications that it has for every team and for the league as a whole. And, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to having something like this because I don't feel like we have anything like it on the network. And I reached out to Keith because I felt like he could host a show with the best of them. So um, wh whether you're listening to this on my feed, Almighty Ballin, first of all, thank you for subscribing. Uh, but if you want to listen to the second, third, fourth, and, you know, 200th episode of uh, NBA Front Office with Keith Smith, you're going to have to go and subscribe because I'm not going to put the next one on my feed. So, <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for listening and checking it out. And trust me, Keith knows his stuff better than anyone else, and we'll figure that out over the course of this episode. Absolutely. And we will be, like Chris said, we will be up and running as part of our own feed under NBA front office show here fairly soon. Uh, Chris is gracious enough to host us on his almighty feed as it is on uh, his <laughs> own show for us to get us started. So what we're going to do today to kind of kick the show off, and this will give you a sense of what we're going to do here in the off season, as we both know, Chris and I are both big NBA fans and we are intently watching the Warriors and Cavaliers battle it out, or we're recording this in between games one and two. So I guess it wasn't such a battle in game one. 
but the Warriors and Cavaliers are still playing, but 28 other teams aren't, and they've turned their eyes to the offseason. So what we're going to do is we're going to kick off an offseason preview here. This is going to be something we're going to look to try and do for each team prior to the offseason starting, and we're going to start that with the Dallas Mavericks. How's that sound, Chris? Sounds fantastic, and I'm from Dallas, which for everyone listening to this on my feed, that's why we're talking about the Mavericks, so... All right, so just to give you a little bit of overview on the Mavericks, they went 33-49 and last year, 11th in the Western Conference. They had a rough year, really down season, some injuries, some just roster didn't really come together, I think, the way that the Mavericks had entirely hoped. They finished 30th in points per game. That was mostly due to playing at a glacial pace. They were 29th in the league in pace, 25th in offensive rating. Defense, pretty good, 15th in defensive rating, middle of the pack in the NBA. So that gives you a little flavor where the season was. It wasn't an overly exciting season in Dallas. They didn't do a whole heck of a lot throughout the course of the year until they acquired a couple guys mid-season who we're going to talk about now. The first one is, at the trade deadline, they swung a big deal to bring in Nerlens Noel from the Philadelphia 76ers. Ultimately, what Dallas paid was a couple of contracts, Justin Anderson, and what's going to be a couple second-round picks. Now, that's great to have... Wait, wait no, that was a first-round pick that we gave up. I it was mean, a first-round pick, but Brian it didn't Calentro convey. Brian got in there. He's a <laughs> tough negotiator. You know, he really got that first-round pick. Um, <laughs> but the first round pick didn't convey because Dallas finished too high, so it turned into two seconds. So, so, but, but we'll give the Sixers some credit there, right? So it was, no, uh, <laughs> no, we shouldn't. Yeah, it's two, two second round picks. I'm Absolutely. Sure. So, but let's start with Nerlens Noel because one of the things that has interesting in this offseason, which is probably why his price was not quite as high as it could have been on the open market, is he is a restricted free agent. So, Chris, talk to me about Dallas and Nerlens Noel and what you think is going to happen with him this summer. So I've heard a lot of conflicting ideas about whether or not he's going to get a max offer. And the fact that we're starting out there, we're starting out like first question, is he going to get a max? I think says something about the level of prospect he is, although he hasn't you know, really shown it in the NBA yet. I would argue because of Philadelphia center situation. I think that's fair. Um, but he, I think is probably the guy on this Mavericks roster who could be elite. Uh, Harrison Barnes has the best median outcome. I think he'll probably be the best player on the Mavs, but if there's really going to be an elite player on the Mavs in three or four years, I feel like it's going to be Nerlens Noel. And that's why someone would throw a max at him. Are you thinking along the same lines as I am? Yeah, I think it's going to be close to a max, if not a max. I think what we'll see is something that approaches that. It's it's a little tricky. There's not – this is one thing that you'll see will be a running theme through this. The last couple of off-seasons, I think, have set almost an unrealistic expectation of the amount of cap space that's available across the NBA. It's not like it was the last two years. The cap didn't rise, plus people spent a ton of money the last two off-seasons. So we're not going to see teams with, you know, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. There might be a couple of them. Brooklyn, Noel's former team, Philadelphia. It looks like potentially the Sacramento Kings who will have a ton of cap space, but we're not going to see that in spades like we saw the last two summers. So that might bring the market down a little bit, but I do think Noel is going to see a pretty big offer and he's probably worth it to be quite frank. Well, so that's my thinking about why someone would throw a max offer at him, but you start to look at the individual teams and their situations. 
you know, largely because of last offseason and the crazy cap spike that we had, there's fewer and fewer people who I think make sense to throw a max at him. Um, as far as I can tell, the Nets might do it because they're the Nets and the Nets are, you know, in, in a situation where if anyone is good on their radar, they want to throw a max at him, but they do have Brooke Lopez. Um, so not positive that's going to happen. And also they're going to tie up their money, I think, and throwing money at guys like Otto Porter and Contavious Caldwell Pope, right? Yeah, that seems to be the plan for the Nets. Everyone I've talked to around the NBA expects the Nets to kick a massive, probably max offer sheet to Caldwell Pope and possibly to Porter both, or if not both, but at least one. They might almost do what they did last year where they threw one at Alan Crabb and then again at Tyler Johnson. So that seems likely, but hey, if they miss out and Noel's still sitting out there, they might do that too because if you can't spend money the best thing next thing you can do take money out of the other guy's pockets and make it so that they can't spend money so we could see that so i think ultimately when it comes down to it though i think dallas made this investment in noel and trade to keep him to be the big man of the future there we know dirk Nowitzki getting older he's probably going to be moving on sooner rather than later so i do think we will see Dallas match any offer that comes for Noel, including up into a, a potential max offer. What do you think? Oh about yeah, that? absolutely. I, I think they'll match whatever comes, but I think that, you know, the, the interesting question to me is like what teams would potentially put a max contract on the table because, uh, you know, Nets maybe. I think that, you know, there's other people in line for that. So it would be later on in free agency and maybe that's a risk Nerlens doesn't want to take. Uh, I think the Chicago Bulls are an interesting possibility because they could have just enough money to squeak in and offer them something. And then to me, the last possibility is like the Timberwolves. And then after that, I just don't see any team that it, it makes a ton of sense to tie up a ton of money in the center position, either because you don't have it or because you already have a center, whatever the reasons would be. Um, and even the Timberwolves, they do have Gorgui Dang. I just think, you know, he seems like a guy who Tom Thibodeau might get interested in. Yeah, and that's interesting to bring that up because what I think you're going to see happen around the NBA, a lot of those teams you mentioned, they have a bigger need on the wing than they do at the big spot. So, like the Miami Heat after, if in case you missed it, this is transaction news here. Chris Bosh, they did get the medical approval that Chris Bosch, when the Heat are ready, they will waive him. They will receive the salary cap relief. So that's going to take them from an over-the-cap team to a team that now has a ton of cap space, probably about the third most in the league behind Portland and, uh, excuse me, behind Sacramento, rather. And Yeah, it's not Portland. Yeah, not Portland. <laughs> not Portland. <laughs> definitely not Portland. Behind Sacramento and Philadelphia. That was. I'm looking at my sheet here, and I, Portland falls smack in between those two. Um, so what... Oh, and, and by the way, everyone listening, um, so if you're not following Keith, you, you have that whole cap breakdown pinned to the top of your feed, right? I do. That is the pinned tweet on my tw- Twitter timeline, yes. So what's your handle? At KeithSmithNBA, so you can find me at KeithSmithNBA. Okay, so yeah, everyone who's listening to this, if you're listening to this, um, you if you came here because you're a fan of Keith's, that you already know what we're talking about right now. <laughs> Um, but in case you're listening to this because you're a fan of the network or a fan of me, first of all, I'm flattered. But if that's the case, then follow Keith Smith NBA and he's got pinned to the top of his Twitter, uh, Twitter feed, this great cat breakdown. It's, 
incredibly immense, and uh, I'm sure you're probably going to end up referencing it more than a couple times over the course of your podcasting career, so figured I should get that out there. Yeah, probably only a few hundred times per show, so uh, (laughs) I kind of live in this file, so yeah, I appreciate those kind words. There's Anything you hear me talk about, you'll have access to see, so if you want to open it up and follow along as you're listening, if you're able to, if you're driving, don't do that. That's probably too dangerous. Let's stay away from that. But if you're sitting at the computer and you want to take a look, by all means, please open it up and take a look. But getting back to to the question on Noel is, yeah, the teams that are likely to have cap space, they may not have need for a big, um, as you were kind of, I think, alluding to, which may end up helping Dallas because Dallas may not need to match a max offer. He may not actually have one come his way. He could be third or fourth on the pecking order for some of these teams. So, But it sounds like we're both on the same page with New Orleans and Noel and coming back. So now I want to take it to the Mavs next. Well, I do want to ask. Yeah, go ahead. What do you think that likelihood is that he'll get a, we'll say, over $20 million deal on the table? Yeah, I think 20 is probably the floor for what he's going to get just looking at the contracts that we've seen in the past, someone of his age and skill and potential for growth still. He's still very young. That seems like the bottom of his floor. And then really the max for him doesn't go much higher than that. It only goes up to about $25 million at this point so somewhere between there is probably where he's going to land i would say maybe dallas can squeak by with a little bit of a discount on 21 22 million as an annual or as a starting salary and then growth from there um as the over the life of the contract probably a three plus one or four plus one deal is what's most likely that the mavericks will give him so do you think it's possible that we'll have another Tristan Thompson situation, which is the first an interesting comparison in terms of skill sets? Um, but second, I, I feel like he could sort of ride it out, hoping that, you know, the, the Nets send him like a huge offer sheet, um, and end up not putting any, like not putting pen to paper on any smaller deals, waiting for a big one that never comes. And it end up, it might end up being the case that he and the Mavs have to just negotiate for a deal like Tristan Thompson did with the Cavs. Do you think that's possible? Because I think that that, I mean, I don't think it's likely, but I think it could definitely happen. Yeah, it definitely could happen. I think the one thing that we want to be really conscious of with uh Noel here and the Mavericks is it's a partnership because with Tristan Thompson, when when his contract was up and he was sitting, there was really no other options. No one else was going to offer him a big deal. And the Cavs had no way of replacing him. The Mavericks have the shot at cap space this summer, even if they do re-sign Noel. So it may actually be to their benefit to let him ride a little bit as a free agent and let it stay, use some cap space on the front end, and then sign him last. So that may not be the worst thing in the world if it just kind of drags out you know, and, and when we say drags out in the NBA free agent world, that generally means about the end of the full, first full week of July <laughs> because most of the work is done within those first few days. By the end of that first week, teams are starting to lock into what they're going to look like. And with the moratorium shortening down more and more over the last couple of years, and now it's only going to last a handful of days versus a full week, what we'll see now is – teams will basically be ready to move and move into what they're going to do next. So so Noel could could sit and wait for that max offer sheet. Dallas may be okay with that in order to have enough cap space to do other things first and then take care of Noel after. 
I yeah, I just feel like teams are gonna go out and I mean someone's gonna get Alan Williams on like a seven or eight million dollar deal and someone's gonna go get Cristiano Felicio for a similar deal and just like there's an overabundance of bigs and Nerlens is in a situation that's interesting because he does have potential as an elite prospect and even if bigs aren't valued elite players are valued regardless of what their position is um but I do feel like positionally he could end up you know it could end up being that it's like nine days in the Nets have put out all their feelers maybe they just don't like Nerlens uh Chicago decides that you know, they have Robin Lopez and Felicio. They don't want to do anything else. The Timberwolves, they decide that they have Gorgory Dang and on and on down the list. And it, I, I think it's actually really possible that uh, Nerlens just doesn't get an offer that he ends up signing. And, and that that's why I wanted to go into that possibility, because I think that that's like a real thing that could happen. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And and that kind of leads me into our next guy who really he's the guy who holds whether the Mavs have cap space or not not in his hands but in this case in the team's hands and that's Dirk Nowitzki so Dirk is scheduled to be a free agent if the Mavericks decline their team options so he's 25 million dollar salary for the 2017-18 season and Dirk is like you said, on a team option. So what the Mavericks have done now for a couple of years with Dirk is basically said, hey, we're going to give you as much as we can, whatever's left over after we do all of our other moves, and then we'll make the second year a team option, and then we're going to decline that team option, we're going to renounce you, and then we'll give you whatever we can again. And Dirk is basically, he has no interest in playing anywhere else. The Mavericks, he want him obviously to retire as a Mav. So is that what you think will play out again with Dirk, is that we'll see them decline the team option, renounce him to get to cap space, and then whatever's left in the books is what they'll they'll give him? Well, so I think that it depends on, say, Kevin Durant. He, uh, <laughs> he wins his championship with Golden State, and he's had enough of that. He wants to go to the Mavs. Um, let's say that <laughs> that were to happen, all right? I think that Dirk and the Mavs would come to an agreement where, yeah, they, they would uh, not pay him that $25 million. They would free up the cap space. Uh, and then give it to Kevin Durant. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> especially with Kevin Durant, but go a little further down the list. How about like Paul Millsap? Still don't think it's likely. Maybe. Um, I, I think that's interesting because Dirk might be like, well, hey, wait a second. Let's not get a power forward, even if he's really good. So, I mean, does Dirk, can the team convince Dirk? that it's the move to make to do that for a guy like Kyle Lowry, for a guy like George Hill, someone a little further down the list, not Kevin Durant, but eventually you get somewhere. And I think that the, the, the team would just be like, okay, Dirk, like instead of, we're, we're just going to give you that 25 million instead of blowing all this money on like Greg Monroe or something like that. Yeah. And, and that's exactly where I think we're going to see this play out as well as I think you'll see it be, if they need the space, they'll, They'll do that. But I think the big decision is they're definitely going to decline that team option. Whether they renounce Dirk or not will need to happen. The only reason why I say they're going to decline the team option is that well, doesn't to, he have five million guaranteed? Uh, Dirk does not. No, he's on a straight team option. Nothing locked in for him. Okay. So just, yep, just try. This is why you're hosting the show. <laughs> this is it, right? <laughs> so yeah, so they'll, they'll, I do think they'll decline that. Let him get to free agency. Then if they need the space, they'll renounce him and then do whatever they can. It's at this point, this is the 
you know, it may not be the winningest at this point in, in their time together, but this is the best partnership in the NBA. He doesn't want to be anywhere else. They don't want to, him to be anywhere else. They're going to do whatever they need to do to make it work. So I want to move on to another guy, though. Interesting situation here, and I think this one's probably just as cut and dry. But let's talk about Yogi Ferrell for a minute. Picked up midseason, came in kind of on a 10-day contract, make good deal, came out, started right away because of a bunch of other injuries and things going on in the backcourt, and played really well for the Mavericks. He had a nice uh, run, ended up averaging 11.3 points per game for Dallas. Uh, he was up at 4.3 assists over 36 games. So almost half the season with the Mavericks looked pretty solid. And ultimately at the end of his little run with Dallas, they, they re-signed him to a, to a two-year contract. So first year being the end of 16, 17, second year, another team option. And if Dallas picks up that team option on him, it'll be at the, the league minimum. So do you well, think that's when a, Dallas picks up that? And that's where it's going to go. So you beat <laughs> me to it. He's going to say that's a foregone conclusion, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, uh, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. He seems like he's probably the JJ Barea of the future. I mean, he's such a bad defender that I just don't see him being the starting guy. Um, I think, you know, some of the point guard options in free agency and some of the point guard options in the draft make it, you know, the whole Dirk thing kind of interesting because maybe they free up space for that, like go for Jeff Teague or for Kyle Lowry. But, um, I mean, you absolutely are going to get $1 million of production from, uh, from Yogi Ferrell, no doubt. Yeah, and I, and I, that, that's why I said that one's pretty cut and dry, so we're on the same page there. So let's move on to the final potential free agent on the roster, and that's DeAndre Liggins. So Liggins cut really late in the year by the Cleveland Cavaliers as they, they had to bring Dante Jones back onto the roster, cause that's what they do before every playoffs, apparently. And, Liggins it was expected he'd just move on, but Dallas had an open roster spot by virtue of having waived and made trades and 10-day contracts expiring, and they used it to claim DeAndre Liggins. He only got into, I think, two games with, with the Mavericks, if I am correct, or did he... Oh, only one game with Dallas. So the last game of the year, <laughs> eight eight points in that one game, shot three of six in 25 minutes. So that kind of probably explains more how Dallas's season was going than anything about Liggins. But do you think... Hey, come on. This is my hometown team here. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Uh, do you think... So basically, deal is if Liggins is picked up, his contract then converts into a non-guaranteed. Um, it, it'll be 26 thousand seven hundred and thirty three dollars guaranteed if picked up so that's basically the amount guys get paid to go to training camp my thought is they'll pick that they'll pick up the team option bring them to camp on that non-guarantee let them fight it out for one of those last roster spots and then go is that what you're thinking as well yeah and i think that the interesting variable in that whole situation is actually the future of wesley matthews on the roster um i think that liggins plays a really similar game to Wesley Matthews. And if Wesley Matthews is ultimately traded, um, then they'll definitely keep Liggins or consider it a lot more than if, you know, Wesley Matthews isn't traded. But uh, I mean, I, I think that that is a really important thing to consider because, you know, the Mavericks have a lot of value, have a lot of good players at that shooting guard, at that guard position, you know, like uh, it's good to have minutes for Seth Curry to play. He's been great. Um, you know, we're probably going to draft a guard most likely. So maybe Liggins doesn't have a spot on the roster unless Wesley Matthews is moved. So, so that's my thinking there. 
Yeah, and that's pretty much where I am as well. So that's a good transition into now Dallas has already, not even counting Ligans, they have five non-guaranteed or partially guaranteed contracts on the roster. First one of those up is long-term Maverick Devin Harris. So he is scheduled to make $4.4 million, but only $1.3 million of that is guaranteed as of right now. So he is... My guess would be they're going to keep him around. I cannot see at this point Mark Cuban saying, see you later, Devin Harris, after all these years on the roster, go out, unless it was really a case of they needed that extra $3 million or so to sign a free agent. But what's your thoughts on Devin Harris? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that that's exactly what the situation is going to be. He uh, is a luxury that the Mavs, because of their um, lack of appeal in free agency in terms of contending, He's a luxury that the team is probably going to ultimately afford to have, you know, um, you know, he's a little later in the rotation. So if we end up, you know, moving on from him, then, uh, it, I don't think it's going to be a nightmare, but I mean, we have all this money and by we, I'm, oh, man, I need to stop myself. <laughs> the Mavericks have all this money that they can give to teams and. Uh, or that they can give to players, and those players I don't think are probably going to end up coming. So, yeah, Devin Harris gets his money. And here's one of the things I think with Harris that's really interesting, too, is if Dallas, we're going to talk about the draft a little bit later, but if they do draft a point guard, which a lot of people think they will, Harris is the only kind of true point guard or pure point guard on the roster. So, J.J. Well, what about Yogi Ferrell? Yogi Ferrell, I I still think he's a bit more scorer than playmaker at this point. Oh, okay, so facilitator. Yeah, so and and Ferrell's also he's young, so he's not going to mentor anybody at this point in his career, right? And JJ Barea's still on the con, uh, still on the team, right? Yeah, but Barea, he's always been more of a scoring guard than he has okay. been a, a facilitator, and as well as um who is and Seth Curry, he's more of a shooter scorer. At right. that position, and, and he's more of a combo guard at this point. So I do think you could see Harris stick around almost as the veteran mentor for whatever young point guard is brought in, if that is the direction the team ultimately goes in the draft. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's interesting actually trying to uh, say positionally if you're going in terms of roles of facilitators or scorers what Devin Harris is because, you know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago – in the grand scheme of things that he was on the Brooklyn Nets dropping 25 points a game. Um, so that's, I mean, I, I just think even if you want to get it down out of like guard board center, if you want to say, okay, facilitator, you know, one, two, or if you want to say scoring combo, Seth Curry, even if you do that, I just do think that Devin Harris's skill set is something that the Mavs have covered for the most part. But that being said, the Mavs, I mean, often play multiple guards, multiple diminutive guards, and uh, it's not something that they're going to turn up their nose to have another one of those guys, even if we draft another guy. So I think ultimately, probably, he ends up staying on the team. But, uh, I mean, it's not like a need thing. It's not like Yogi Ferrell where it's like a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the next guy then, someone who's on a Different career arc than Devin Harris, much younger. Dorian Finney-Smith. So he has a very interesting breakdown in his contract. Fully non-guaranteed, so Dallas could waive him at any point uh, right up until July se- uh, July 6th when he becomes 100K guaranteed, then 150K on opening night, 
then 200k on December 5th, then fully guaranteed on the league-wide guarantee date of January 10th of 2018. My thought is he's definitely going to be on the team. They're going to keep him all the way through January 10th. He was an absolute find, uh, diamond in the rough, if you will, last year as an undrafted free agent. What are your thoughts on Dorian Finney-Smith? Yeah, I mean, he's a capable 3 and D forward who can maybe play at the four a little bit. I mean, if he was a little better at certain things, he would almost be like a max guy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like just, just because of his skill set, not because of his skill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you have to hang on to guys like that because yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not going to be LeBron James, but, uh, I mean, best case story in Finney Smith is he's going to be like Trevor Reza or something. And I'm pretty sure that's worth a minimum contract, but you know. Yeah, absolutely. And he started 35 games for the team last year. So yeah, I, he's great. I mean, yeah. he's totally gonna come back. I think. Yeah, I see. At this point, no reason why he wouldn't be back. And then taking us to another non-guaranteed player, Salah Mejri. So he is really been kind of one of these bigs. Dallas under Rick Carlisle, bigs outside of Dirk and Tyson Chandler when he was with the team, they kind of come and go from the rotation. They, they'll they be in there for you know, 10, 12 games in a row, then they might sit for four or five games and then come back in. So Salah's been bouncing around. His contract becomes fully guaranteed on January 12th, so Dallas can have that flexibility. It's a good late late enough guarantee date where if they need to waive him, he's he's going to make $1.4 million. He's at the minimum for him, the league minimum for a player with his years of service, so the two-year two year league minimum. And what would happen with Mejri is, my thought is they definitely keep him if they need $1.4 million in cap space. Maybe he goes. If not, he'll be around. And same Same thoughts from you? Uh, yeah, and I feel like the other factor there, you know, the, the fun insider info that you're having me on the show, maybe instead of someone who's a general NBA guy, um, because I do follow the Mavericks closely, I do know that Salam Esri is, is sort of a, uh, Cuban guy. Like, Cuban yeah. didn't exactly find him, but he's a guy who Cuban was like, huh, I'm interested in this. I'm, I'm gonna pursue this. I'm gonna go find him way out, and I think he was, in Iran or something like that, you know, playing in maybe like a Euro league, but it's a guy who Cuban was actively involved in going off and finding. And I think that even if he was bad, which he's not Cuban, (laughs) just because of the way that people are, would probably want to keep him. Yeah. I'm with you. And just uh, to clarify, he started his professional career in Belgium and before coming to the Mavs, he was in Spain. He was actually playing for Real Madrid, so uh, one of the better Spanish league teams. But but you're definitely right. The the Mavs did he 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 was a surprise when he came over to the NBA, and kind of a surprise at how good he's been while in the NBA. So uh, definitely someone I think will be back. Then the last two guys that are. Still on no, we're still in the non-guaranteed world. So Nicholas Bersino, he was a guy I found out about last year at Summer League, um, prior to the Mavs even signing him, that they were all excited about this guy. They, they had really high hopes for him. He's a, yeah, a little, little bit of a middle age type guy for, for his, for being a rookie. He was 23 years old, uh, experience in Argentina prior to the NBA. Someone who didn't, he didn't play a ton, played in 54 games, a little under 10 minutes. But I do think he will be back. Now, his contract becomes fully guaranteed on July 6th. So, again, 
by that point, Dallas will have a pretty good idea if they're going to be landing a big-time free agent or not, uh, most likely. So I would guess Brasino, he's again... One year service, 1.3 million, similar to like Yogi Ferrell or Dorian Finney-Smith. It's not that big of a swing cap-wise, so I do think he will be back as well. Yeah, I, I'm not sure because I think that he disappointed a, a little bit more. I, I mean, they didn't bring him in to be, um, you know, the superstar, you know, uh, or b- even be a starter. But he just didn't have a high level of production, and because he is a little bit older for a rookie, um, I think the Mavs have, you know, sort of, they, he's okay. I mean, but I feel like a guy in a similar contract position who we just talked about, Dorian Finney-Smith, I mean, they're similar players, positionally, similar contract situations. And while Dorian Finney-Smith is a guy who I think will absolutely get kept on the roster, Brasino is a guy who's a little bit further away from absolutely, um, but still probable. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I think I think he's yeah. I think it's gonna just really come down to do we need 1.3 million in cap space or not? If we don't, then we'll bring him in. He'll come to training camp. If he doesn't make it, then we'll eat that 1.3 million and go. Now, remember what we said at the beginning when we're introing the show. We're going to go deep. So this guy may be somebody not a lot of people know of or have heard of, but Jared Utoff, who was signed to a pair of 10-day contracts and then signed for the remainder of the season, he is still on the Mavericks. He played in a handful of games last year, played played in nine games, 12 minutes per game, really at the end of the year when Dallas was was really out of things and they were just – Using a season for what you should at that point of trying guys out, but he is in the same boat kind of as Finney Smith's, but his guarantees work a little bit different. He doesn't get any money guaranteed till he gets 200k at the very end of July. So definitely I think he's coming back because what you're going to do there if you're Dallas is you're going to bring him in and say, you know what? Let's look at him all the way through summer league, see what he looks like. If he doesn't look like he's improved or has a spot, we can waive him at no cost. You, you with me on that one? Yeah, yeah, I, I, he's definitely, this is why, you know, we have a particular show for guys like this who are, <laughs> you know, 10 days, Texas legends, like, you know, D league, uh, senior year of college type of guys just way out there. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's just not a guy who I have much of an opinion on and I feel like the Mavs are probably there too. Um, and when he's that cheap, it's just like, yeah, I mean, probably, uh, if he, you know, if they sour on his personality or something, I haven't heard anything like that, then maybe not. But, I mean, it's sort of like a why not guy. Yeah, well, everything I know from his situation is that the team really likes him. He's a really hard worker. He did a great job down in the D-League, which now well, it's going to take me, I'll say, over under January of remembering that it's now the G-League, um, the Gatorade League. <laughs> so I will probably yeah. slip up on that. Yeah, I mean, it, something would need to go south. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to apply that there is anything like that. Yeah. Um, but it, it is sort of like one of those things where, uh, I mean, if if they just decide they don't like him, then maybe, but there's no reason to think that they don't. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so now what I want to do now is so, so we've kind of got our picture here of what we think the Mavs are probably going to do. We talked through it. Looks like we're pretty much on the same page with who they're going to keep and what they're going to do. You make all those moves. That leaves Dallas with projected about 15.5 million in cap space. And that's assuming that obviously they keep Noel and Farrell and keep all the guys we talked about. They decline Dirk's team option, renounce them if they need to to clear space. They can get to about 15.5 million in space. So, Chris, in your opinion, what is Dallas looking for this offseason from free agency? And we can also tag into that if you want. We can tag into Dallas as the ninth pick in the draft. So out of those two, because they really do kind of go hand in hand as far as how you're going to build a team, what do you think they're looking for in the draft and then free agency? Yeah, so it will be interesting to see what they do in terms of the draft because I think that the Mavs have, for the first time basically since picking Dirk, are in a position where they're willing to play guys who are there for the future and not for the now. So, uh, they're playing guys like, you know, who are 23, 20 years old, you know, uh, Brasinos and Yogi Ferrells, guys like that, who really probably aren't going to contribute on a, on a great team now, but might have some value in the future. So let's say that we go into the draft and, you know, Dennis Smith falls or Malik Monk or, someone like that, then I think that that changes their free agent situation where maybe they don't go out and go pursue Jeff Teague or Kyle Lowry or, you know, a, a guard because they're they're set, I guess, and they're happy with, even though they don't have a ton of talent at the guard position, at the point guard position, they do have someone who is projected to be a talent at that point, and that's something that uh, they're satisfied with at this point in their team construction. But if we end up going with a guy like Jonathan Isaac or um, don't laugh, but bam out of bio, man, I love that guy. I'm totally buying into the hype. It's totally not going to happen. <laughs> um, but let's say, let's say it did. Um, then all right. Like now it makes a lot more sense to go and chase a guy like Jeff Teague. I mean, the guys who I've speculated about um, in that first situation where we draft a guard, I thought maybe you go out and you throw some money, um, move some stuff around, try to get Tyreek Evans, you know, um, he's going to be, uh, an interesting reclamation project. Let's say that you go get Jonathan Isaac, then yeah, maybe you can start, you know, feeling out maybe a Jeff T type of offer. So, um, that's, I, I think that their draft is going to probably dictate what they do with that. It's not limited. 15 million isn't limited, but that's one good player. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what you're looking at with 15.5 million is you're looking for a good player, probably like you said, like a Jeff Teague, or you could split that up. Maybe eight million of that goes to like a Tyreek Evans, a guy who I think could be a little bit of a sneaky potential option for them. Could be a guy like Rudy Gay on a one or two year deal for what might be seen as a slight overpay, but someone who can come in, maybe rehab his value a little bit, playing with a good group of guys under good coach and see what it does i don't think dallas is in a position where they they necessarily are saying right now today we're punting on the season we're not looking because they're going to push they're going to try to make the playoffs if they can while they have dirk but they're not going to go all in to try and get there uh right now so i do think it's going to be interesting i think point guards probably where they're looking in the draft first because 
None of the options that currently stand on the roster, Yogi Ferrell included, he's nice, but he's probably more of a backup guy. Scream. He really is like the advanced stats thresh out that he is catastrophic on defense. Yeah. And like there, there are like small guards who are bad, but he's like in the ninth percentile in terms <laughs> of like pick and roll defense from guards and like he's really bad. So yeah, his, uh, uh, he's a bench guy. I mean, yeah, he's good, but yep. bench guy. Yeah, his defensive rating was 110, so per 100 possessions, which is is not good at all. Especially with Nerlens Noel, no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So one of the things is, I think, as I was saying, that's where I think they go is point guard is what they're looking for in the draft. But I think, you know, after that, then it's going to be best player available. And I actually, when I wrote my off-season preview of the Mavericks for Real GM, one of the things that I wrote, in there was, I think their biggest offseason need is actually a power forward. And that sounds weird to say about the Mavericks with Dirk sounds still wrong. on the roster, right? It does, doesn't it? It sounds really like that, that what? The Mavericks need a power forward? Like, I'm Harrison never listening Barnes. to this guy again. You know, <laughs> but it's, Barnes, I think, Bar- Barnes, so I'm glad you brought that up because Barnes is, he's a small forward who can play power forward. And ideally, if your roster is set up well and set up good, he's probably closing games as your power forward. But you want to bring in someone who can slot in between Barnes and Noel when Dirk goes. And what do, what do we think? Another year, maybe two, three, who knows? As long as he's still knocking down jumpers, there's no reason why Dirk can't play as long as he wants to. But I do think we're really looking at a point with Dirk Nowitzki where it's, it's closer to the end than it ever has been before. And I think you need to start preparing for life after Dirk and what's that going to look like. So, whether it be free agency or in the draft, if they can't get a point guard, then I think they start looking at, well, what young power forward-ish options are out there? Who who could we look at and those kind of things? So it's going to be interesting. Of the rest of the guys on the roster, so I'll just run through the names real quick. We talked about a couple of them already. J.J. Barea, Harrison Barnes, Seth Curry, A.J. Hammonds, Wesley Matthews, Dwight Powell. Give me the guy of that group. If you had to pick one, that is most likely to not be on the Mavericks by the start of next season. Of those guaranteed contracts, who's the guy you're going to pick? Can can I can I please do two? Because like there's two obvious ones to me. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> one of them is going to be AJ Hammonds, right? Um. Oh well. Well, I was thinking. Uh, uh, I was thinking actually because of the amount of money in them. Right, I was thinking Dwight it. Powell and Wesley Matthews. Okay, so let's hear a little bit more about that. Give me give me your thought process. So I think Wesley Matthews, um, you know, he got an offer that felt like when we gave it to him, he was going to be a bigger contributor than everyone expected. And I mean, now you go back and you look at that money and it's like 16, 17, 18 million. And it's like, okay, well, that's not a max guy. But at the time, everyone was like, oh man, Wesley Matthews is going to come in and be this great contributor. And he's been all right. He's been a, you know, starting ish guard forward combo. And um, he just, I, I look at Wesley Matthews and I, I really like him. I know that the Mavs like him as a culture guy, but he's taking up a bunch of money on a rebuilding team. And that doesn't make a lot of sense for where they're at right now. Um, that's money that would be great to have. So I could see Wesley Matthews having the appeal from outside who are like, man, we're Wesley Matthews away. Uh, I mean, if the Clippers weren't such a crap show in terms of, their roster stuff. I mean, they would love a guy like Wesley Matthews, maybe to play the three or, you know, the thunder or something like that. I think that there are teams who are really edging to try to get into the playoffs 
who would really like Wesley Matthews. So I think he's very tradable. We, we mentioned earlier that wings are high in demand. Uh, and even teams like the Nuggets or the Sacramento Kings, when he was originally signed, had a lot of interest in him. Um, I think that he's just a guy who a team would, I think he's a positive asset, I think. Um, yeah, the challenge comes in with Matthews, $17.8 million for the 2017-18 season, then a player option for 18.6. Really what he is at this point in his career is he is a 3 and D wing. Now, some people will say, yeah, except for the three part. But that's really not right. He Yes, yeah, he shot 39% overall, but he shot 36% from three, which is pretty solid. And, you know, and, and the thing I want to okay. say, too, uh, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, this is good. like something really worth noting, uh, especially for anyone who's listening to this who's a Mavs fan. Um, think about the shots that he's took or go back and look at the film. The shots that he was taking were just not the shots that he was taking in Portland when he yeah. was shooting – above 40, 41, 42%, like the Mavericks, uh, I think that they were a little bit better on defense than they were on offense this year, which is insane for a Carlisle team, and just goes to show how little offensive creation, how little offensive threats there were on the court at any given time, um, particularly when Bogut was still on the roster, and they were rolling out Bogut-Dirk lineups. It was like impossible to get any separation, any movement, get guys open through pick and roll. It was just... Things were really gunked up. So the looks that Wesley Matthews was getting, and this is what I would think that a team like, you know, the Rockets or something like that, this is what I would expect them to think to themselves. If we freed him up, if we had a system like the Rockets have, then he would start hitting that extra 4 or 5% that makes him an elite three-point shooter, right? Yeah, I'm with you. And that's the, you, you, I'm glad you made the point because one of the things that happened with Matthews was he was taking a lot of off the dribble jumpers, which that's not his game at all. It, it never really has been his game. And at age 30, at this point in his career, it's definitely not his game. So, so yeah, I think he, he's a good candidate to bounce back, but I do totally agree with you and the point you made as far as the amount of money he makes, um, and that he could be, be movable because what is his fit on a rebuilding team? Does he really make sense? So, so definitely, especially at this stage of the maps rebuild, because you could make the argument for a team like the Denver nuggets who are definitely rebuilding, but I think that everyone in Denver is going to be a little upset if the nuggets don't make the playoffs next year. Yeah. Um, and like maybe they have the money sitting around because they are further along in their rebuild. They have their guys who are on, you know, three, $4 million contracts. They're not, you know, AJ Hammonds, they're guys like, uh, like Nikola Jokic, like they're guys like, um, you know, that guard from Kentucky who I just employed. <laughs> Jamal Murray. Right, right. Like yeah. that, that's their small money. Their money is tied up in players who you would expect to actually play next year. Yeah. Um, so maybe they're in a position where they can pay Wesley Matthews for a couple more years. Um, a little bit overpay probably and be comfortable with that because it's probably going to help them take that next step that they need to take. That's not where the maps are, though. Yeah, he he is the kind of guy who he's good for a team who's looking to push the rebuild forward, like like Denver, for example. I do think that if he doesn't move this summer, I think there's a good chance he could move by the trade deadline um, as teams injuries happen and teams are looking for 3 and D type guys. There's always teams in the market for that. Look at P.J. Tucker. This year was a sought-after player on the trade market. Now Matthews makes considerably more money, but similar type skill set and play there. So now let's hear your other guy, Dwight Powell. You mentioned him. Let's talk about him for a minute. So 
my thing with Dwight Powell is that when he first got that money, I think that it made more sense. It made some sense to sort of gamble on some of the statistical noise not being noise because um, it, it sort of it looked like early on in his career that there was a possibility that for whatever reason, he was just like this elite pick and roll finisher. Um, there were some some nice analytics, some some decent uh, stats and stuff and, and a little bit of a sample size that you could actually go out and watch to say, OK, Dwight Powell is is really going to be this rim roller. And if he can just be all right defensively, maybe he can play center next to Dirk. Now, I, I don't think that that's what he's ultimately going to be. And then on top of it, he's gotten worse as a distant shooter instead of better. Despite, I mean, I remember that summer league that he was like co-MVP or something like that. He was raining threes all day. Now he's like, he was shooting like, you know, somewhere in the 20s last year, maybe not even. Um, but yeah, I, I just think Dwight Powell is um, a guy who's taking up a lot of money, who doesn't make sense with their current roster construction, particularly if they go out and draft a guy like Jonathan Isaac, then it really is a crunch for, you know, how are we going to play Dirk? And also a young guy who might not be part of our future, it just stops making a lot of sense. And that's $10 million that the Mavericks might want. Yeah, and so, Powell, he's already uh, 25. He'll be 26 this season as we get into to the year. He turns 26 at the end of July. So it's he, he's a little older for a guy with his little experience, only three years in the NBA he he had a nice year, you know, he shot 51% from from the floor, which, you know, sounds kind of odd um when when for the amount of grief the guy took, but he doesn't really rebound, doesn't really defend, doesn't block shots. He's just kind of Yeah, a, he's better than Myers Leonard, but I I sort of look at him on this roster as like a similar contract. Yeah, absolutely. It's the absolutely same type type of thing. Different player, but same type of uh scenario with him. I think what you could see happen with him too is he's going to get just squeezed out by the roster because at this point Dirk needs to yeah, probably be yeah. playing as much center as possible. You you might see and him. Harrison Barnes is a power forward. Yeah, he he Please. probably <laughs> is right at this point and at this point in the way the NBA shapes out, he needs to be playing a lot there. I could see the Mavs go into games starting Noel at center, Dirk at power forward, and Barnes at small forward, and then five minutes into the game. One either Dirk or Noel goes out, Barnes moves up, and that that's just it for the rest of the half. And then Powell, where does that leave him? Gives him what five minutes a game, ten minutes a game off the bench. So I I definitely could see them moving on from from him. It uh, makes sense as you look forward into the Mavericks down the line. As we mentioned, Dirk team option last year under contract. Things really clear up for them significantly after this year now it'll depend on what happens with noel and what kind of deal he gets but after this season it's jj barea for 3.7 million harrison barnes for 24 million and then matthews with that big team option of 18.6 and paul 9.6 so lots of 
flexibility here. There's no real long-term money tied up. None of them in horrible contracts that just look like, oh gosh, we gotta get off of these. These look awful. There's no Luol Dang or Timofey Moskov on the Mavericks cap sheet. So, so that's a good thing looking forward, but it's definitely going to be an interesting offseason in Dallas. They've got a lot to look forward to starting with the draft. As we said, the ninth pick picking a little higher than what the Mavericks are used to, where we're used to seeing them pick and then some big free agent decisions. But well, you know who the last player they picked at nine was? Hmm. Was it really? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't. I so we're we're gonna pick Lowry Markin. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> he's it could be. be next uh, but yeah, no, it it uh, you know, it's exciting, and I'm okay. You know, I actually think, you know, and this is a little bit further away from uh, front office type stuff. I think that the ninth pick in this draft is a really good pick to have because I think that there's this big, big field of just four or five bigs who don't protect the rim super well and don't score super well. You know, like. Zach and John Collins, like Lowry Markinen, Jared Allen, TJ Leaf. Man, I can't stand TJ Leaf. Uh, you know, Justin Patton, uh, there's this big, big, you know, dead zone of, of four fives who nobody really wants because there's already too many big men, um, who are too talented to let slip into the second round. And I think that ninth is right there where you're going to get a quality player who, is not like one of these guys who are just sort of like a, a four or five, you know, maybe their, their best case scenario is a guy like, um, you know, like the guy we, we just referenced on, on Portland who this is a oh, man. I'm so bad at <laughs> Myers this? Leonard. Right. Right. Like a guy like Myers Leonard is, is sort of, uh, I feel like there's like eight Myers Leonard's from 10 to, you know, 18. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, an interesting draft. I, I always like to say, you know, a running joke on the NBA draft is the draft is as deep as wherever my team picks, and then the pick after that's where it drops off. And <laughs> it tends to be, you know, where you hear from a lot of people, especially in the NBA as well. They'll try to sell that out as, ah, oh, you want to trade up to here because, you know, after this pick, that's where things really taper off. But, you know, if they... If lottery balls had bounced one ball different, they were picked back to that draft would have been that deep. But I do think there is a lot of great talent in the top 10 to 14. Well, so, uh, okay, okay, let me, let me say, right? Like, Zach Collins might be better than Frank Tilakina, mm-hmm. but he's a guard. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like that, that, that's sort of my point is, is that, you know, I, I think that the Mavs are, or, or like, uh, let's say that, um, Jonathan Isaac slips to the Mavs. Like Jonathan Isaac might not be better than uh, Jared Allen, but he's a wing, you know, that that's, I guess, the point that I'm making. No, for sure. Yeah. And I do think think Dallas is going to have to be in a position where they are going to have to look at doing things potentially around. Well, what is it that they need right now? What What is the the makeup today and i just looked up uh funny enough i just looked up draft express most recent mock draft and it is larry Markinen. so <laughs> there goes oh there God. goes a guard or a wing uh out the window completely that would be the <laughs> true dirk replacement right there he is a 
if he has a career anywhere near Dirks, obviously you would be thrilled and love that, but that we'll, we'll have to see where that one goes. But, you know, this was our first, uh, NBA front office show. We dove deep into the Dallas Mavericks. This is what you can expect. And as we get into signings and moves throughout the season, we will come at you and go deep on what some of these signings and moves mean throughout the NBA and what this means for, for that team, that player and the league as a whole, where things are going. It, it, promises to be a really exciting draft as well as an exciting free agency and trade season opening up in the beginning of July. But Chris, thank you so much. I just, number one, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be a part of the team with Almighty Baller. I'm really excited to get things kicked off and running. Yeah, no, definitely. And we're, we're happy to add you. And, you know, regardless of whether you're listening to this uh, on either feed, you should go check out the rest of the network sneaking up into the top, top 50 top 25 on the itunes sports rankings uh laker film room you know if you're uh wondering whether those reports that came out today about lonzo are accurate you should (laughs) check out and see what the laker film room has to say lots of great draft coverage outside of the lakers with what's on draft with coles wicker mark whittington and javier pesquera uh and then of course sean darenthal's hosting o to odin's fantastic so we're happy to be adding coverage of uh, the NBA's front offices, of the salary, the CBA, uh, and all of the minute details in between. And I'm happy that you're doing it, Keith. I'm happy you're the guy. I am really excited. It's uh, This is what my passion is. I love talking about this stuff. And rather than going into the family room and boring my wife with it, hopefully someone who wants to hear it will actually listen. And I just want to let everybody know we've got some pretty cool guests lined up, some team experts that I've already reached out to to do what Chris and I did here. Plus, we've got a really special guest that we're hoping to get on, someone who has a deep, rich history in an NBA front office, give you some of that inside presence um, of what it looks like to be there and that perspective of an NBA front office executive so uh, I'm not going to share that just yet because we're still working out the details but what a once tease. we can go You're yeah. natural, <laughs> that's the hope <laughs> <laughs> alright well thank you very much for listening to the NBA front office show I am Keith Smith you can find me on Twitter really active there at Keith Smith NBA and part of the Almighty Baller Network and you can find all the great shows that Chris mentioned before on almightyballer.com And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Yeah. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, let's pull up over here and drop a line. Are your feet wet? My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.